It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Janice Dean. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Martha McCallum, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Imagine surviving the terrorist attack in southern Israel only to feel unsafe when you return home to New York because of anti-Semitism. A lot of the things that I'm seeing today are things that happened right before the Holocaust. It seems that history is repeating itself, and that is definitely something that scares me. I'm Chris Foster. We've got the latest on the actor's strike. Talks to end it or back on. Negotiations had stalled. You know, these deals come up every three years. you got to fight for everything you can get from the companies because they're not going to give it up willingly. And I'm Joe Concha. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. During the October 7th massacre of Israeli civilians, many were found murdered and some even found burned alive at the site of a music festival in southern Israel. This is audio from a vehicle dash cam as Israelis tried to flee, some on foot, others in cars. <laughs> And even after hundreds were slaughtered, raped, tortured, including babies and the elderly, and even more than 200 people were taken hostage, people marched in solidarity with Hamas and even celebrated what they did to Jewish people. So therefore, I feel like that whatever Hamas did was for a good cause, to get back our land. Some Republican lawmakers have taken note of the language and the protests. You see these people backing Hamas all across the United States, and they are fostering fear and terror, not just in the Gaza Strip in Israel, but now at our own homeland. Iowa Republican Senator Joni Ernst told Fox's Harris Faulkner some of the hate speech should not be protected as it incites violence. And that's why I've joined Senator Tim Scott on efforts to defund those college campuses that allow this type of hatred to exist. They are excusing it and they've got to stop. Even before the October 7th massacre of Israelis, anti-Semitism in the U.S. had been increasing. The FBI just last week released hate crime stats showing that last year hate crimes rose to their highest level since the FBI started tracking this in 1991. Anti-Jewish hate crime incidents rose 37 percent. That was the highest number in three decades. Last week, FBI Director Christopher Wray warned at the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. Aside from several protests, Jews across the country have woken up to graffiti at schools, parks, and at least one workplace, and watched as people have angrily ripped pictures of Jewish hostages off walls and light posts in public spaces. Yes, as someone who grew up in New York, which has the largest Jewish community in America, I've never dealt with anti-Semitism before. And it's, it's scary to see how many people are speaking out about like calling for death to the Jews. Natalie Sanandaji survived the attack at the music festival in southern Israel and has since gone back home to New York. I have a lot of friends who are Jewish and have seen 
people that they know, people that they considered friends for a long time suddenly speak out. And in a way, it's good to know who's for you and who's against you and just try to separate from those people. I think you and I have probably seen the same videos and posts, but can you think of anything in particular you've seen that maybe has bothered you especially or really stuck out in your mind as you think about the anti-Semitism you've seen? Something that I've seen is something personal that I've seen multiple of my friends take the mezuzahs off their door uh, way, which is supposed to be a prayer scroll that is supposed to protect your home. And suddenly I have friends who are taking them down that their homes won't be targeted. Uh, It's just kind of ironic taking something down that's supposed to protect your home in order to protect your home. Nali, let's go back um, to before you returned home to New York, being in Israel. You've probably talked about it a lot. You've shared it with some, some of us at Fox already, but what do you remember about about how it kind of went down and, and realize, you know, going from, from, oh gosh, maybe this is something to maybe this is something a lot more serious. So when the rockets first started coming, me and my three friends that I had came to the festival with, we were at our campsite resting, um, One of the girls from our campsite came to wake us up when the first rockets had been intercepted overhead. She just wanted us to be alert as to what was going on. And the way she described to me what was happening, no other kids would have described it this way. She came up to me and she said, I just want you to know some rockets have been sent our way, but this is normal for the area that we're in. Try to imagine a festival happening anywhere else in the world and suddenly rockets are intercepted over kids heads and they react in such a calm manner unfortunately the reason why they react this way is because rockets are a normal thing for them this is something that they go through on a regular basis so i try to look to them i try to look to their reactions to see how i should react as well and they were all pretty calm at first just because that's their reality. The first time anyone really started to get a little bit nervous was when the festival security had shut off the music and told everyone to evacuate to their cars. But at this point, we still thought it was just rockets. The biggest fear for me at that point was that as we're driving out of the festival, maybe some scraps from the rockets that are being intercepted might hit our car. I never could have imagined what was going to come next. Mm. Um, As we were leaving the campgrounds, the festival grounds, and going to our cars, I had asked my friends if they thought that I had some time to go to the bathroom. And at this point, we weren't in that much of a rush. We still didn't understand what was going on and how much we were in danger. Um, So they were like, yeah, you know, go to the bathroom come back to the car. We'll be waiting for you here. I went to those restrooms by the festival exit. And a few days ago, I came across a video of the Hamas terrorists going to those exact bathrooms moments after I was there and just shooting at all the bathroom stalls and trying to kill anyone who was inside. I saw that. And that was one of the first times where it really hit me how close I was 
to death that if I was in those restrooms just moments later that they would have shot me. Mm. That was very hard for me to see. Where did you go after, like, you realized you weren't going to go to your car, right? Or did you go to your car? Or did you run a different direction? We, we went to our cars because at this point, we still thought it was just rockets. We went to our cars. We started driving. Eventually, the festival security starts yelling at everyone and asking them to pull their cars over to the side of the road, get out, and start running. Oh. And we couldn't comprehend why they were asking us to do this until we heard the first gunshots. Wow. As soon as we heard those first gunshots, we just opened our car doors and started to run. But as we were running, we passed by a ditch and there was a number of kids hiding in this ditch and they told us, like, come hide with us. And we almost did until one of my friends said, like, no, this is a bad idea. If we hide in this ditch and the terrorists come from above us, we have nowhere to run. So we continued to run instead of hiding in the ditch. And we later found out that the kids who did stay back and hid in that ditch were shot and killed. Uh, so it's kind of split second decisions like that, that we just happened to have made the right decisions. And you were picked up by somebody. So after about four hours of running from gunshots, a few minutes had passed and we hadn't heard any gunshots. And we passed by a tree and we decided to sit under the tree for a few minutes to kind of catch our breath. We were sitting with a number of other kids, maybe 10, 15 other kids. And suddenly a white pickup truck is driving in our direction. And automatically our first reaction was, this is a terrorist coming to kill us. And I remember looking around at the other kids and we all kind of like half got up and contemplated running. And then we all kind of looked at each other and realized like we we have nowhere to run to we have nowhere to hide if this is a terrorist that's it so we kind of all just like sat back down and accepted our fate luckily for us it wasn't oh. it was a man from the town of Patish, which is the town that we were told to run towards this town was pretty far away but it was the safest place to get to we probably had like another hour of running if he hadn't left the safety of his town and driven towards all this chaos and came to pick us up. I don't think I would be here today. I, I'm not sure if I would have made it. Wow. Um, Natalie, before I let you go, are you scared about what Israel does as its next steps, like a ground invasion? Do you, do you worry about the safety of Jews around the world, um, depending on and in connection to how Israel responds next. Well, something I would like to say first is that obviously this is a very hopeful idea, but what I would love to see is number one, for our hostages to be released before this ground invasion. And number two, for one of the neighboring countries to let in the innocent citizens of Gaza so that when Israel does do this ground invasion and hopefully destroys Hamas once and for all, that no other innocent lives are affected. If that is even possible, I'm not one to say I'm not here to represent any government or any army and speak for what their plans are, but that would be what I would hope for. Um, I, I think it's really sad to see how many people 
are out in the streets protesting, saying that Hamas's actions were justified. Killing innocent people is never justified. Whether it's a citizen of Gaza, a Palestinian, or whether it's an Israeli, it's never justified. And I, I wouldn't want to see any other lives affected by this on either side. Do I fear what's going to happen when and if the ground invasion does occur? Yes, because I'm already seeing so many protests calling for the genocide of the Jews. I'm seeing lone wolf attacks. A lot of the things that I'm seeing today are things that happened right before the Holocaust. It seems that history is repeating itself, and that is definitely something that scares me. Finally, as you hear people deny what happened, and they say it wasn't so bad, um, that uh, you know the Israelis are saying, you know, this, this sounds like Holocaust denialism. Um, what would you say to people who say that the brutality didn't happen? My whole life, I tried to comprehend how people can deny the Holocaust and how they can deny something that was so horrible. And now, as you said, I'm, I'm seeing it all over again. These are simply people who don't want to see the truth. These are people that... I remember I, I saw a video recently that someone posted of a girl that was ripping down the flyers of the babies and the kids from the festival that have been taken hostage and are in Gaza and the girls that have been raped. And a guy was recording her and asking her, like, why are you tearing down these flyers? And she was like, because this is false information. Show me proof that these girls were raped. Wow. It's just such a horrible thing to hear and such a horrible thing to say. Like, these innocent people have been through enough and then you're going to go and deny what they've been through. I, I just don't even have the energy to try to converse with these people and try to convince them otherwise. I don't know if my interviews are going to change anyone's minds, but maybe seeing someone who was there, someone who experienced it firsthand, will convince one or two or three people to go do their own research, to not just believe all the propaganda that they're seeing online, and to really understand the situation. And if I even make just a few people understand, then I feel like I've partially done my mission. Natalie Sanandaji, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. This is Joe Concha with your Fox News commentary coming up. Negotiations to end the actor's strike are restarting after a break. TV and movie writers have been back at work for almost a month now with a new contract, but the actors who bring their characters to life are still on the picket lines. <laughs> It's the union's longest strike in history, hitting 100 days. Union leaders and studio and streaming executives are sitting down in Los Angeles for the first time since talks broke down nearly two weeks ago. The studios and the streamers, uh, that's Netflix, Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, others, 
felt that progress was at a standstill. Joe Flint covers the media and entertainment for The Wall Street Journal. And they said, we're taking a break here. Specifically, what led to them to make that move was a ask, demand, position, whatever you want to call it, from the actors union to share in revenue from the streaming services such as Netflix, Max, Disney Plus. And revenue sharing is a no-go, at least as of now, for those companies. So that's what sort of led to them to say, okay, you know, we're not getting anywhere till you drop that. I know there are issues with the residuals that we can get into because it's complicated comparing streaming and broadcast, et cetera. Um, but why did the actors think that they deserve, for lack of a better word, uh, revenue sharing from the streamers, but not CBS? They feel like that they are helping to build these services, that you know their performers are the ones involved in the creating of content that's driving the subscriber revenue, that's creating these businesses. And basically they want... Initially, it was just a 2% of all streaming revenue. Then they lowered that to 1%, still a no-go. And now they're basically come up with a formula to take a cut of subscriber fees that they said would average out to about 57 cents per subscriber. And they would take that money and then be distributors of bonuses to their talent. So there's sort of two things they're pushing for here that are kind of... Um, unprecedented. One is the revenue sharing and two is to then be the operators of a bonus pool. So the union basically saying you pay us and we'll pay our members. Exactly. And the funny thing is, I think it's very unlikely this will happen now, but I don't want to make any predictions. I'd be crazy to. So much crazy stuff goes on here. But we're seeing more and more, whether it's athletes, whether it's performers, the idea of having more than a salary or a royalty, the idea of having some equity or skin in the game is growing. And you know, maybe it doesn't happen now, but I don't think the ask is going to go away, even if you know the, these deals run three years. You think after what's happened this time, they'd make them 10 years. But, uh, but even if this doesn't happen now, who's to say that won't be a sticking point three years from now? Philosophically, I get the idea of residuals where, look, I was on an episode of The Jeffersons in 1970-whatever, and you're still showing episodes of The Jeffersons, so you're still making money off it, therefore I should still be getting paid beyond the salary that I got. Although it is a weird, you know, it's a weird thing that, that other industries don't have. It's true. It is a weird thing that other industries don't have, you know. I don't get a cut of subscriber fees when people read my articles. And certainly five years from now, when some college kid is doing his thesis and downloading a bunch of my articles and paying the journal for them, I'm not seeing a dime. You know, this is the life I have chosen. But uh, yeah, it's a little different in the entertainment world, obviously, and, and the music world, too. Uh, it's just a different thing. And that's one of the um, arguments. Like, well, you get these royalties, you get these residuals, we're going to increase them. We recognize that the streaming residuals haven't been where you would like them, especially international and the other thing, and I'm just saying what the other companies think, I'm not taking sides, I'm expressing various views. Uh, but the other thing the companies say is, yeah, except you're not investing in the product. You're not taking the financial bet we are. You know, you're not you know, spending all this money to make this movie that you're going to star in and get paid a handsome salary. So there's a lot from the other side that says, you know, gee, well, if you want to figure out how to share in the risk as well, then right. uh, you know, maybe we can talk about something. Most of the people who are on strike, and there's a, over 140,000 
acting members of SAG after the union's a little bigger, but the acting part is about 140,000. Most of these people don't work on a good day. Uh, it's a very challenging position. And the longer the strike goes on, the less chance they have to make the minimums they need to make to get the health coverage to, you know, keep in this in this business. And there is pressure now on the union as well to wrap this up. We we saw some major stars, George Clooney, Ben Affleck, Emma Stone among them, you know, offering their own solutions to try to push things forward, which the guild rejected. And uh, I'm not sure necessarily those solutions were really addressing the issues that the guild is in negotiations about. But nonetheless, that's pressure. Union members are being told you may not dress for Halloween as a character on any struck property, for example. So don't dress as Barbie, don't dress, well, whatever it is, nothing, don't dress as a character on TV or movies. And if your kids do it, don't post on social media. And some union members are saying, look, this makes us look really frivolous and unserious and heady and it hurts the cause. Yeah. And I think they've walked that back some. But yes, it really was sort of this is what you're going to worry about. You really think that's going to swing the pendulum? You know, not to dwell on this too much, but how exactly are you going to police that? Zach? Are you going to have spotters out there in Beverly Hills and other rich areas of town watching what people are wearing? And then will you be shaming them as well? It just was a Really unforced error on their part. Yeah. You mentioned George Clooney. They put together, I'm not exactly clear what was going on. It almost seemed like a self-imposed tax. Like the riches of the rich is going to put together this pool to sort of settle the financial differences, but that's not going to change the issues involved in the contract. Right. I mean, they were making an offer and generous of them to get involved to have the caps lifted on their dues or new caps set, whatever, so that their dues would increase, you know and to help the union do its stuff. But this isn't about dues, per se, or funds for the union to run itself. I mean, I mean, you could argue, well, that money will make up the difference of whatever the hundreds of millions are trying to get from the studios and streamers. But that's not even technically doable per the rules of the union, per the regulations of unions, all of that stuff. So nice effort, but wasn't really a long-term solution. But again, all of that puts you know some pressure in, internally on it. So yeah, the we'll writers, yeah, the writer's strike ended close to a month ago. And there, at the time, it was widely reported, and maybe it was just conjecture, like, oh, well, this will give momentum to the actors. And that just ended up with a stalemate, and there was no momentum there at all. There really wasn't, and it didn't really get... Uh, the talks were never really moving fast to begin with. And... Uh, SAG is fighting, and I get it. You know, these deals come up every three years. You got to fight for everything you can get from the companies because they're not going to give it up willingly. But there's such hostility in the air. You know, the day, you know, day after the talks end or a couple of days, Fran Drescher's on the Today Show criticizing uh, the CEOs in very personal terms. That's that's the thing. And, you know, that's just not going to help. Uh, it's a business dispute. You can be critical of their business models. You can be critical of how they run things. But uh, it's really turned into sort of a uh, you know battle of the of proletariat. When do we viewers, as of this moment, if there if you didn't know there was a strike, you might not know there's a strike. Um, I guess the fall TV season is not what it would be. How long is the, is the is the production lag going to last? Uh, and is it just going to be more reality TV for the foreseeable future? Well, certainly, I mean, the good thing for the consumers, there is so much content already out there, be it on Netflix, be it on Max, be it anywhere that 
there's no shortage of things to watch from around the globe. But, you know, that said, if you're a Stranger Things fan, you're waiting a lot longer for that next season. Movies that were supposed to be out in the fall have been pushed into next year. You know, Dune, uh, other other films, and other films that just maybe only have a little bit more to finish are sitting there in limbo. So, I mean, it would still be a while for a consumer to notice. I mean, maybe six to nine nine months, but then there'll be a further effect down the road. Some productions are getting waivers. Explain why that why that works, especially smaller production companies. And also, why Saturday Night Live back on TV? They had a full cast. They had a lot of guest stars. Well, the waiver thing is basically smaller production companies that have worked separate deals out with SAG can get a waiver to continue to make something. Uh, and obviously, they are agreeing to some you know terms with the union that the union has signed off and said, okay, go, you can you can do this. And these are again smaller smaller companies don't have the overhead, don't have the costs, don't have Wall Street breathing down their neck uh, to make movies. So that's what's happening there. And SNL basically just it's 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 part it's not necessary. It's not covered ultimately by the Screen Actors Guild. Obviously, it wasn't on when there weren't any writers to write for it, but actors can go on it, uh, host it, uh, you know, <laughs> Most of them who would come on and host don't have a movie to promote anyway because nothing's coming out. Um, but yeah, that show gets a waiver as a variety as a variety type TV show, and and so that's what's happening there. I mean, there are all these little you know rules and in, in the in in SAG de- determining certain shows and who can go on what show and and everything else. I mean, that's why the talk shows could return even without writers because for SAG it didn't matter if. Drew Barrymore could go host her talk show, but, you know, the, the writers couldn't work on it. Yeah, I know that some showed up at Comic-Con in New York the other day on panels where they were talking about their shows and their movies by everything but their title. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, like the Halloween costume thing, maybe uh, maybe that part seems a little bit silly. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure it serves a greater purpose. Here's where I understand it. Obviously, you want to hit the studios and networks where it works. So... If Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro can't get out to promote Har- Harvest Moon, uh, maybe that's going to you know, drive down some awareness for the movie. You want to basically hit the studios where they live. At the same time, of course, uh, you want to show how valuable your talent is to driving products. So it, it's a tough thing. I mean, I, I understand the rationale. I could also understand the, you know... See how much you need these guys. If they're out there promoting it, maybe it does a little better. But again, they're not right now. It's a strike and you're not supposed to be doing anything to help the people you're negotiating against. Joe Flint, media and entertainment reporter for The Wall Street Journal. Joe, thanks. Good talk. Thank you. Appreciate it. Gianna Gelosi with your Fox True Crime Minute. Three men in South Florida are facing federal charges after an alleged kidnapping that took several bizarre twists, including an attempted waterboarding. 32-year-old Jeffrey Arista, his 29-year-old brother Jonathan, and 32-year-old Raymond Gomez are accused in a federal indictment of kidnapping a man at gunpoint outside of his apartment, tossing his phone out of a car, driving him to an Airbnb in Plantation, Florida. That's when they realized they had the wrong person, mistaking him for his co-worker who allegedly owed them money. Instead of releasing the victim, prosecutors 
say the accused kidnappers waterboarded and threatened to kill him and pointed guns and electric drills at him. The men began brainstorming how the victim could help them lure the co-worker to them. Authorities say they provided him with a cell phone and were able to access his iCloud account to find the co-worker's phone number and call him. Thinking quickly... They then met up at a business and thinking quickly, the victim went inside, phoned a bomb threat in an effort to get a rapid police response. The trio are now facing federal kidnapping charges that could land them in prison for the rest of their lives. There's more on this story at foxnews.com. Subscribe to the Fox True Crime Podcast with Emily Campagno. I'm Gianna Gelosi with your Fox True Crime Minute. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Joe Concha. What's on your mind? Gallup's annual Trust in Media poll just out. And it's bad, bad news for the fourth estate. Trust in media is at an all-time low. Again, not exactly surprising, of course. But when you see a 12-point drop by Democrat voters in terms of trust in media when compared to last year, that is certainly noticeable. And when we see just 11% of Republicans and less than one-third of independents saying they trust the media, it appears we're at a point of no return. Overall, get this, 40% of American adults have zero trust in the media. That's the highest number in the history of this poll. Put this in perspective for a moment. Nearly 75% of American adults trusted the media post-Nixon, post-Watergate. So we're talking about a drop of nearly 45 points. That is telling. And we saw one big example during the coverage of the Israel-Gaza war that perfectly underscores why the perception of media is so poor. Here we saw reporting, completely implying in broad daylight, accusing Israel of bombing a hospital and killing 500 people. Who was the primary source of this information? Hamas, of course. They're a terror organization, and they're not just fighting a war on the ground, but a propaganda war as well. So that's like going to Al-Qaeda after 9-11 and quoting an Al-Qaeda spokesperson in a report about the attack on the Twin Towers and in Washington. It's beyond insane. And now from everything we've seen, it is clear the missile came from a terror organization, Islamic Jihad, who misfired it and hit the hospital's parking lot, not the hospital, meaning the death toll is not 500 or not even probably 100. Amazing how the Hamas terror organization was able to spit out a number like 500 about eight minutes after the explosion and our media ate it up like seagulls eating up food at the beach. This kind of coverage has life and death consequences. We saw violent protests throughout the Middle East because people thought Israel bombed a hospital in Gaza. President Biden's meeting with Arab leaders was canceled. Iran ominously wrote on Twitter, time is up. We need our media to put down its bias, stop rushing out stories without verification, and get it right or else things will escalate and people will die. It's that simple. Social media also playing a huge role. Misinformation is flying around left and right, and it's impossible to know what is fact or fiction at this point because there are zero checks and balances and guardrails where people are increasingly getting more and more of their news, like places like Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. So can the media win back trust of its readers and viewers at this point, given the numbers and given what we're seeing in Israel? The answer is not damn likely.
I'm Joe Concha. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at Fox foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts from the fox news podcasts network subscribe and listen to the trey gowdy podcast former federal prosecutor and four-term u.s congressman from south carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com